welcome to Offkey, a Membran Labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Welcome to Offkey's first official episode. Big thank you to Kirsten Ludwig, our guest today, who was kind enough to be a guinea pig on the first episode of our show. Kirsten is a singer-songwriter from Calgary, Alberta, who I'm lucky enough to be able to call a friend. We talked about everything about her experience as an independent artist living in Victoria, kind of from how she moved here from Calgary, how she got a start in the industry, and she also walked me through the process of recording her newest album, We Get It Now. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. That's changed things, obviously, with like social media and stuff in terms of branding and connecting to your audience. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Um, but I know you're not, like, you didn't grow up in Victoria. You're from Calgary, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm from Calgary. Um, and I moved to Victoria, um, I guess, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess when I was 21. Yeah. <laughs> like, how old am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Calgary. And then I... In 2011, I went to, do you know Berkeley College of Music in yep. Boston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went to a five-week program there. Cool. Um, right after I graduated, and I did it for voice. Like right after high school? Okay. Yeah, cool. totally. So I kind of met quite a few people there, one being somebody from Victoria. After that, I traveled for a year and um, didn't really think much about doing music just because it's a it's a really hard industry so you know when you kind of decide to do it you have to be willing to sacrifice and um kind of commit to not a life of like instability but just you really need to put 110 percent in at all times and um so when I got back home from traveling I I recorded this EP that is not on the internet because (laughs) I don't want anyone to hear it but (laughs) um somebody in Calgary at the time had heard it and wanted to manage me briefly so we got a $10,000 grant and then I recorded in Victoria with um, his name Sam Weber mm-hmm. um, and I had met him at Berkeley so everything really ties together okay nice. yeah yeah and so then I recorded here for 10 days then went back home with a finished record and then six months later decided to move out to Victoria so yeah it's very a very swift decision but I mean, it's pretty nice out here. So. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was, I don't know, I think I hadn't been in Calgary for kind of my young adult years because I decided to move away or like go travel. So I wasn't really mm-hmm. experiencing the scene in Calgary. But when I came to Victoria, kind of the music scene was the thing that drew me here mm-hmm. because, well, A, I was immersed in it um, because I was recording with a local musician and producer. Mm-hmm. And during that week like there was so much to do we were just like hanging out with all of these musicians and kind of it opened up a world that I never knew before Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't really know or hang out with any musicians in Calgary so yeah that's kind of why what drew me out here obviously is the art scene yeah that makes sense yeah that's kind of interesting that like even like I don't know like if you like still like consider Calgary home or not but it's kind of cool that you were able to like make a new home here just like through something that you love so much rather than yeah being tied 
yeah back home just for the sake of home if that makes sense oh for sure mm-hmm. yeah calgary still feels like home and i think the scene is growing as mm-hmm. well as like the whole scene in alberta um and edmonton especially is super vibrant but here specifically i think because it's such a small city everything's just kind of more evident like you don't have mm-hmm. to search as much and i know a lot of people who've moved from alberta to here i think partly because of the weather yeah. <laughs> but also partly because there's just a really good network mm-hmm. that's really cool because even though yeah victoria is like pretty small um it's cool to see that we do have such like a vibrant arts culture yeah oh for that, sure like even like bigger cities like calgary is like significantly larger than here yeah but, yeah that's interesting yeah i guess the only what i've come to realize is the downsides of victoria that we live on an island and it's Mm -hmm. so expensive to get off Um, yeah (laughs) and also i mean this is in every city but recently a lot of the venues have been struggling a lot and festivals and stuff like that so the actual like infrastructure that kind of brought me here is you know kind of fading away not in a at a crazy amount but at a substantial rate that is noticeable for sure when you're trying to book shows yeah it's hard out there do you find that's like causing you to have to like do a lot more work kind of like in Vancouver or is it kind of out of province in general or yeah I think I think that I mean to begin with I always kind of said okay only one one or two shows in Victoria a year just because Mm -hmm. you don't want to oversaturate I personally believe you don't want to oversaturate your network Especially mm-hmm. when you're only getting, you're only at the level of really getting like friends or like locals to come out. You know, yeah. they don't want to see you every single night unless yeah. you're a party band, which I'm definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely, I think in a good way, forced me to tour a lot and like kind of reach for more international things. And like, I would obviously love to eventually move to Toronto because I think that's, just kind of the hub and it I don't know if it always will be but it will be for a while because it's just I don't know so big and close to the states and uh, yeah I don't know yeah definitely ups and downs to yeah yeah on the island for sure oh yeah yeah I don't regret being here though that's good (laughs) (laughs) um so you said that you went to Berkeley kind of right when you finished high school but when did you first kind of get involved with music do you like start you know for me I was four years old like you're doing classical piano yeah um, yeah. <laughs> um but like how, how did you kind of begin my parents have always had a knack of finding me really like liberal kind of I don't want to say spiritual but just like very like fluid teachers yeah. so I, like I yeah I got a um new age yeah very new agey <laughs> like kind of let me do what I want which yeah. I've appealed to me very much yeah um but yeah when I was like maybe six or seven I started piano then I stopped it for a while and then back in high school I got a voice teacher for a couple years and then through I think between those two periods I started teaching myself guitar and just kind of I really started writing songs when I was about 13 which seems so young but like at the time it you just feel so old and like you have so much to express yeah I was gonna say I feel like when you're 13 like yeah you're kind of at this weird point where it's like you you don't know a lot but also you're like I have a lot of feelings yeah yeah things I want to say but also like I don't actually want to say them to anyone yeah exactly you're like where do I where do I invest this energy um so I don't really have any training which 
at certain points I kind of regret just because having like some sort of grasp on theory or mm-hmm. like that la- that musical language really allows you to communicate with other players and um, I mean you can still do that without having any sort of theory but it definitely it definitely helps mm-hmm. yeah um, and then when I went to Berkeley it just kind of seemed appealing and I didn't expect to really go and then I got accepted and it was just like okay I guess I'm gonna go do this thing I felt very underqualified that's for sure there's a lot of incredible musicians there and I was like what is going <laughs> on <laughs> I don't know that's how you kind of have to do things though right like throw yourself in and just yeah. see what happens did you did you like it though yeah it was good I definitely came away with the feeling of you know if you're gonna invest however much money it is 100 200 grand into mm-hmm. a degree like you could invest that into recording touring yeah. like the actual groundwork you know in the industry it really matters who you know but also just matters how much work you've done and just kind of getting yourself out there like which I think Berkeley they have incredible resources and workshops and really cool things and but I think like the biggest thing is the network there and like the people that you meet because you're just around these people who are going places so I think if you can find that network in your city it's it'll be kind of the same thing but you're saving like your life's fortune right yeah yeah exactly you kind of decide where you're gonna invest that oh for sure i'd like love to talk about your new album <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's so, exciting. so this past year you released we get it now mm-hmm. which yeah congratulations by the Thank way you. i it was really fun when i would like have it downloaded like on my phone if i was at a party like when i was away like playing music oh my god like, oh, was this? Like, that. i know her so funny just yeah. like what <laughs> Um, can you tell me like a little bit more like about that and kind of what inspired it and kind of yeah it's lovely I really really like it thank you I need to get tickets to your show <laughs> but I'll do that <laughs> um, basically like as every good record starts um, it kind of started with a breakup mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of just I don't know s- snowballed from this like moment of grief and anger and sadness into this kind of it's not as sad as I expected it to be I think mm-hmm. it definitely it took me a couple years like I released my last thing in 2016 mm-hmm. honest tracks and then I started re-recording in 2017 and yeah I think that the main inspiration was just kind of making a record with my friends who I really care about and just being kind of in control of this project specifically because mm-hmm. the last couple projects I had kind of you know done written the songs and the music but kind of felt out of control with like my engineering skills or like mm-hmm. my producing skills so this kind of record all tied it together because I was doing all of that also working with other people but doing the ma- a majority of the producing and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. do you feel like you got to learn a lot like about yeah, like the producing and engineer. Sorry, I like actually know nothing. No, th- no, that's fine. Um, just ask, yeah, just ask. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So I worked with Colin Stewart, who is like a genius, and he lives on the island, mm-hmm. and uh, he's worked with like a bunch of huge acts, and has been doing it for years and years and years, and mm-hmm. is just the most lovely person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of like 
he had i think he had heard my ep honest tracks and which is kind of this like weird diy really sad kind of moody (laughs) (laughs) uh cinematic piece of work and i think and then he reached out to me and kind of said hey if you ever want to record like you should think about working over here and he was really adamant about me like whenever we'd have studio time me taking everything home and like working with it and just kind of you know even if I don't have the best recording setup like Mm -hmm. he was like just like do what you did in this and just kind of get creative which was really nice to have somebody really like push you to Learn. kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah learn and like take a hold of this project that is cool. yours yeah so I definitely learned I mostly work on logic so I was like learned a bit more about logic and just kind of also when you're this was like my first time really in, not instructing a band but like really orchestrating like mm-hmm. getting everyone together and so just learning how to manage kind of like your time and manage a band and like really trying to get people excited about it and mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, is a lot of pressure when you're asking people to kind of take chunks of time out of their lives to, like, to invest into this personal project or, like, really, yeah, really personal project that you're Mm -hmm. doing. Yeah. Yeah, it feels kind of unnatural when you're not, like, asking for attention, but you feel like you need to put this piece of work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely, I learned a lot. And then I also learned a lot on the release side as well. Um yeah like you were saying like you've like really like learned to kind of like do everything yourself and I think maybe there's like an assumption that the artist just like sings like writes the music maybe if they do that and then like Mm -hmm. that's kind of it and they step back and there's like a team of people that do the rest clearly sounds like that's not the case (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah so basically like in my for this record specifically I guess so I had these this group of songs that I'd written over a couple years while touring and then I kind of sat on them played them live for a while by myself with a couple other people to kind of just see what worked what didn't and then when I when it came time to deciding if I should record or not because it's a big decision Mm -hmm. just in terms of like time and money I looked into like who I was going to work with where I was going to do it and how kind of not the genre but just like the general vibe of it mm-hmm. is you kind you have to kind of consider when you go into it not completely but it's definitely a big decision like when you're choosing who to play with you and stuff like that so I found Colin um and then we had booked some time but like a month before I went into the studio uh I booked a different studio just to have a week by myself to really like they call it pre-production and um just to really kind of hash out ideas for the song get a rhythm section in there like my friends would come in late at night and just mm-hmm. kind of put down parts um they're called scratch tracks like when you they're not the final tracks but it's just like a backbone to re-record over top of that so we had all of those for all of the songs and then it just makes it easier when you go into the studio that you're paying way more money to be in to like have an actual idea and not spend a week just being like i don't know let's like like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like let's try this idea which 
also is part of the recording process, but Mm -hmm. just kind of figuring out a way to be like creative and efficient with your time. Yeah. And then I recorded about, I think it was like six months with Colin. Like we do like five days here, five days there. It took a really long time because I was, was in 2017. Yeah, it was like, like 20, yeah, 2017 to 2018. Mm-hmm. And then so once we had finally tracked everything, like recorded everything, mm-hmm. um, it then gets mastered. Um, so he did that or I mean mixed. Sorry. Such a rookie mistake. <laughs> um it then gets mixed, which is, like, basically what makes the song sound amazing. Like, you have to, like, EQ and, like, all that kind of stuff. Put effects, decide on effects, take things out. It's, like, the kind of when you have all of the creative ideas, it's, like, the playing around. And then you get it mastered after that, which is just kind of adjusting the levels and, like, making sure everything's consistent. And then finally you have a record, but... I don't know. I think everyone's mistake is that they think once the recording's done, their work's done, but that's Mm -hmm. just when it's getting started because then you have to plan, like, your release. You have to get your artwork, your release shows. So um, after it was mastered, I kind of started to send it around. Like, I already had a label at the time, Oscar Street Records, which is Catherine Calder's um, label on the island. Mm -hmm. And so we had kind of talked about how to release it. And that's kind of the tricky question, I think, at this point is because with the rise in, like, digital music, I just don't know if it makes sense to release records anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if singles are, like, maybe yeah. the way to go, yeah. Yeah, like, people are still releasing records, but it's the people that, like, audiences want to hear from you know so like yeah I think it's just the question we were just facing the question of like okay do we release nine singles or do we release a record Mm -hmm. or do we release an EP of three singles and then release a record in January so we ended up just deciding to release three singles kind of three months before Mm -hmm. the record release and then release the record do a couple of release shows, which we did, and then just kind of see what happens from that exposure of the record. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what I wanted to do, is just release some music, and especially with the new infrastructure in Spotify where you mm-hmm. can, like, submit your songs to being played on playlists and stuff like that, as opposed to having people just find it. I just wanted to see how the reaction was and then take it from there into my next project. Cool. Yeah. What was kind of your decision to go with the record instead of just releasing, like, the nine singles? Like, did you find maybe, like, it had... Was it just, like, a more, like, cohesive, like, I don't know, like, a story, like, you wanted to tell or, like... Yeah, I think... I think because some of the songs aren't necessarily singles. And, Mm. yeah, I wanted... This record was so important to me to like prove to my not only to myself but to everyone that like I could do this and so yeah it was like half of it was that yeah it was this story and this these like songs that kind of were written in the same period and had the same essence Mm -hmm. but also the other half was that I didn't want to sit on these songs any longer like I really wanted to just get them out and kind of move on 
just because I'd been playing these songs for a while. And also like when you're writing about, or like you have all these songs about this really intense emotional period, like whether you believe it or not, like when you're holding on to that, like you can't really move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I think we knew what the singles were. So it was just kind of like, Mm -hmm. let's just do this. It just feels right to just put it out and then see what happens. Did you find, like, releasing after releasing the album that you, like, did have a bit of, like, a cathartic release, like, from the past? Oh, for sure. It was just kind of, like, I think it was cathartic in the sense that I realized how many good things I have in my life and how many great people I have in my life as opposed to focusing on, like, this loss and this sadness. So that was kind of the eye-opening thing. It's like, oh, my gosh, all these people are here to support me. Like, it's, it's not about this one person who's, like hurt me it's about Mm -hmm. all these people who have like made my life better which is like such even if that record like even if it wasn't heard but it did that for me i'm I'm, like happy that that's enough yeah yeah yeah, for sure that's cool yeah you said that you are you are are you currently signed to a label or yeah Yeah. for so i think we just did um a one-year or like a single release for this record so i'm signed to them for we get it now and then i can kind of do what I want with the next record, whether it is work with them again or find someone else. Okay, cool. Catherine is a good friend of my friend Leighton and Jen. Um, so they can, she kind of heard of me through them and she's mm-hmm. also married to Colin. Okay. So yeah, she kind of had approached me at the end of 2016, just kind of saying like, Hey, if you want to release a record, like, there's funding we can access and like work Mm -hmm. together and stuff like that um and what appealed to me about Catherine is that she's just it's just her who's running the label Mm -hmm. um and she's just also very experienced in the industry like she's a part of the new pornographers do you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so she's um, a member of them so she's always played music all her life so she really understands kind of where the musician is coming from but she also understands kind of the more business sides because she's worked with a major label Mm -hmm. and has like toured like crazy Mm -hmm. and just also is so kind and caring and really is thoughtful about how she puts out your release and how she approaches people and Mm -hmm. stuff which i think is really what you need to look for in any type of person you work Mm -hmm. or you're working with is like this person is representing your brand so you need to really be mindful of how they're representing it mm-hmm. yeah um and sorry just to be clear colin was your is is the producer, is the producer and engineer okay. yeah colin stewart and then Catherine calder and they're married to create the most powerful couple but, of all yeah, time I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they love when people say that yeah yeah victoria's music <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couple. that's amazing um what was like the process you said you were connected to Catherine through friends of yours and also with colin um but what was kind of the kind of speak english um the (laughs) process of getting kind of like signed to the label and kind of like what does that entail or maybe just like in general if you know yeah so so for my case it's kind of um an an unorthodox case because she kind of created this label really quickly and then it's just her so it just just kind of happened of her being like calling me one day um, asking me if i wanted to release this record on her label and Mm -hmm. i kind of just said Sure. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it happens like that. I know that sometimes when you have a recorded record finished mm-hmm. that's unreleased, 
people shop it around so they send it to different labels and um see if anybody's interested Mm -hmm. or maybe interested for their next um next recording and usually like i think bigger labels sign you know two or three uh albums album cycles Mm -hmm. so you have to stay with them for a while and then i think my contract with Catherine is super basic you know she owns the master rights for seven years or something like that Mm -hmm. which is super standard um but even when i released my my first single i had a couple labels approach me being like what are you doing what are you doing next Mm -hmm. like it just there's no formula to how it works like it Mm -hmm. is just you kind of just have to see what happens yeah because when they reached out to me i was like oh well i'm already releasing a record in October and it was kind of that thing of like oh okay well keep us in mind for the next time right so it's a mix of you reaching out to people and also people reaching out to you because a lot of the bigger labels don't take unsolicited material like Mm -hmm. a manager or a lawyer has to send it to them for Mm -hmm. them to actually to take it seriously so yeah there's no answer for yeah, it. Yeah, makes sense. Like <laughs> yeah. a mix of, yeah, push and pull, I, I guess. Yeah, I think it's like any industry is like you just... I hate, I hate, like I remember watching interviews of musicians that I liked in the past and them just being like, I don't know, it's just like a stroke of luck or like you just kind of have to see what happens. And I hated that, but it's so true because mm-hmm. especially in the music industry, everything's so up and down. Like it's not predictable whatsoever. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's like the case for oh it's like such a weird balance like for any like arts industry because like even like you were saying like when it came to like education and like school and stuff like it I feel like luck is isn't really the right word Mm -hmm. maybe I just like I just don't like super believe in it yeah yeah. um because obviously like you like everyone like pretty much pretty much anyone that like is successful like they do work extremely hard oh for sure question about it and like whether or not that's luck or just like yeah putting in the energy into the right places or yeah making the right decisions yeah Yeah, that's the thing is like it's a mixture of i think people just call it luck or like coincidence Mm -hmm. because it's just a mixture of so many variables Mm -hmm. that at a certain point equate to like the right moment but it's not just like based on luck it's based on like 10 years plus of yeah like striving for that one moment yeah, yeah. exactly because like even if somebody like accidentally like stumbled upon like somebody huge like stumbled upon your name like mm-hmm. say like if you're like your work is garbage then <laughs> then that, they're just like, gonna pass through it gonna... oh for sure yeah so later in not this month but in february you've got that show coming up at alex golden hall with foxglove and mike idell mm-hmm. which is very exciting and i'm mm-hmm. looking forward to what are kind of some of the other future plans that you have obviously you just released your records i'm assuming you're not gonna do another one like super super soon unless maybe you are which is great um (laughs) big inhale yeah wow (laughs) um yeah so at the beginning of december Mm -hmm. last year i got a booking agent for europe Mm -hmm. oh cool yeah Mm -hmm. so which means they've kind of began booking shows in Europe for the last part of the year. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but which means that I'm going to 
have to kind of have new material out, mm-hmm. um, which I want, obviously. Yeah. So I'm going to record some new content this year, probably in oh, March okay. or so, and do maybe an EP or something. I don't really know. I have a, I have some songs, so we'll kind of see what is the right feel for it. But yeah, so I'm recording in March. Hopefully we'll play some shows in the summer months mm-hmm. which is always nice but i i love staying in victoria for the summer because yeah, it's so nice so it really nice. i might be selfish and then yeah and then uh go to like germany austria and switzerland oh, in so cool. october yeah so just a couple of things on the horizon i'm also going to montreal for folk alliance international at the beginning of february um and it's like a folk conference so i'll play some showcases there as well cool yeah so just kind of taking it step by step this yeah. year yeah but like a great way to travel, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah i know i'm really excited i'm that was my main goal was to get some sort of booking agent because booking tours is i would say the hardest part of being a musician is like that's where all your hard work goes is to mm-hmm. putting time into tours that make no money but you kind of have to do it um so to have somebody kind of on board to help lower that stress and kind of use their connections is like yeah i it's indescribable how excited i am yeah oh that's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah and i imagine like there's like so there is so many artists and especially like in victoria at least like you can kind of do your own groundwork like you said like you've got friends here Mm -hmm. to like get that push going but of course like outside of the city and overseas especially oh for sure like, overseas yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like um i've toured canada twice or three times and then i've toured europe once mm. and luckily when i toured with my friend alexandria mayo and um joey clarkson and luckily joey had been living over there mm-hmm. for I can't remember how long, but she had like all these connections Mm -hmm. throughout Europe. So we had played like smaller house shows and it was actually quite a successful tour because house shows generally are really good if you're in like the smaller act Mm -hmm. demographic. Um, So that was good, but like an easy, if you can get over to Europe, it's easier touring like solo or duo as opposed to Canada because Canada is so big and like like when I went on on my first tour in Canada I was like oh yeah this is gonna be great like I'll play nine shows across the country and Mm -hmm. but like when you get to Ontario you're like what is happening like this is (laughs) you drive for like 20 hours and you're not (laughs) even at like some city so yeah yeah I'm excited to tour Europe and have maybe like five hour drives be the longest drives yeah yeah (laughs) like as you know yeah um yeah and then i think the next step will hopefully to get a canadian booking agent just so that just because you know it's fun to play shows in canada and like there's a great reception in each city Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like lining up those contacts and i don't know it's just a lot of work which yeah. is fine, but sometimes you're like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, not today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so your first album that I could find like online mm-hmm. when I was doing a good old creep um, <laughs> on like your band camp was Drifting, which was released in 2014. Mm-hmm. 
obviously like things in the industry and like technology and stuff has changed a lot since then kind of can you tell me a little bit about what were the biggest differences like when you're releasing Mm -hmm. drifting and we get it now just in terms of like i guess like with streaming has become like huge in like the last like few years yeah totally yeah um when i recorded drifting i think I was working with my manager at the time who I'm not with anymore, but Mm -hmm. we were kind of discussing like pushing it to radio and like kind of top radio because that was at the time kind of the only avenue online to really make money from. Like there Mm -hmm. was iTunes and I don't know. I don't think that Spotify existed quite yet then. Let's find out. Yeah, (laughs) because... I just remember being like, oh my gosh, my album's on iTunes. Like, you can buy it on iTunes. And that was kind of the main thing. And then also Bandcamp, which is a more, like, indie platform that anyone can release their... I mean, any can anyone can release their music on any platform, but Bandcamp is free. So that's the appeal. Yeah. Spotify started in, like, 2006, 2008. Okay. But, like, I'm assuming, because, like, I know, like, Apple Music didn't launch until, what, like, 2015, 2016? Yeah. Yeah, I guess guess Spotify was around because I do remember somebody being like, oh, you got to get your music on Spotify. But I don't think it was until the last couple years that people actually took the platform, like, super seriously. And, again, like, music, like, with any business, like, um, or industry, it doesn't really become legit until there's like multiple players. And oh, for I think sure, it was the only one for so long. Yeah, yeah, and um, everyone's like, I'm not sure about this kind yeah. of free streaming. Yeah, you can get whatever you want. Um, so that's that's been one of the biggest changes, I think. Mm-hmm. And also, I've definitely seen a decrease in the demand for like physical yeah. merchandise. Another thing is Instagram is, I think, a huge part of promo as well, which even in 2014, like Instagram wasn't, it was big, but it, you know, you did other things like have a website and stuff. Yeah. But now I don't think that you really even need a website. Like as long as you have an Instagram, people automatically check how many followers you have for that. They don't even check your music page or your Facebook page. I don't think like, yeah, it's just... There's been small things, but I think the biggest one is, yeah, like, Spotify and Apple Music and having, like, free streaming and kind of acknowledging and appreciating the exposure you can get from being seen on, like, such a large platform, but also figuring out a way how to, like, subsidize your income in other ways because you're not making very much money from streaming platforms. But it's hard to say... I don't know if it'll ever change, right? Because mm-hmm. people have it so good where they can just pay X amount of dollars and listen to a yeah, song. whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So until there's, like, some sort of cost splitting. Yeah. And the switching costs are so high. Like, once you, like... Oh, for sure. Start, like, everything is yeah. up there. So you're just kind of like, well, this is what I, what I use now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of like... Yeah, once... And also once you've, like, paid for a record and paid for everything, you're like, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, there's also platforms like YouTube monetizes, like will monetize and like put your music out there for people to use if they mm-hmm. want. So, yeah, I think all the also the other switch is that there's less and less music venues to really play at. Like you just see the strain and it's I think it's harder to like 
get out there there are some really cool like promoters in town who are doing are always doing really cool local stuff like uh there's this one called regular occasion and there's also holy smokes um who are always putting like on indie shows and in different venues and stuff like that so i don't know i say that there's a decrease in venues but (laughs) it's just i think it's just a matter of who's doing it and like their passion for yeah finding a way to do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you basically like through like services like apple music and like spotify and stuff like how does like the artist make their money through that um good question I'm still asking that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, if you don't have, like, if your label doesn't have, or if you don't have a label and who doesn't have a, let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a label, therefore don't have a distributor. There's so many different online distributors. Like, there's, like, AWOL, DistroKid, TuneCore that you can all pay to upload your music mm-hmm. to those streaming sites because you can't just automatically upload your music to say apple music like you have to go through a second yeah company um so once they put it on there it's kind of per stream like spotify i think is 0.007 cents a stream mm-hmm. um so like basically half a penny almost uh for each stream and then I'm not sure how it works with Apple Music because this is my first release that I've had through Apple Music and my label's distributor sees all the reports, so I haven't seen Mm. any of them yet. But in the past, like, I've only really made money from people buying on iTunes Mm -hmm. and then some Spotify streams. And then also radio like if you can get onto radio is can be a big source of income mm-hmm. um for radio it kind of has to be consistent though i believe because the trackers they kind of the way they calculate your income is if you're played a certain amount of time within a certain week i believe mm-hmm. so there's radio like getting on the cbc and stuff and like college radio is quite important um and then you can also make your money through like sync and licensing. So mm-hmm. licensing your music to like commercials and yeah. films and stuff like that, which would be really nice. Yeah. I think I like was in the process of kind of sorting out a publishing deal um, earlier of last year. But what I've heard is that publishing deals, which is like deals with like sync and licensing, for TV and film are deals that people usually get screwed over with because Mm -hmm. a lot of the company, a lot of the companies, if you don't like have a lawyer, they can just be like, okay, sign this. And then they own X of your total stuff. So whatever, a lot of the companies, whatever you make on like Spotify streaming and like iTunes and all that, they take a cut of that because they say that they've like helped you reach that point yeah so you just have to be really careful with contracts yeah Yeah. so there are different avenues and obviously touring is a huge avenue as well but yeah you kind of just have to kind of amalgamate all of those aspects somehow (laughs) oh 
being like small like in anything yeah like, i'm just trying to do stuff. yeah yeah you're like i just want to make don't take advantage yeah like i just want to make rent for this month yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, where can people like find your music? Where can people get in touch with you? Oh, for sure. I guess the best way is I have a website. <laughs> I'm like earlier. I'm like don't get don't a website. <laughs> um, my website is www.kirstenludwigmusic.com, and then I have Instagram, Spotify, Facebook. Basically, I'm out there on everything um, at Kirsten Ludwig. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Off Key, and a big thank you again to Kirsten Ludwig for coming onto the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Otherwise, if you'd like to get in touch, please shoot me an email at offkey at membrand.net. Or you can also find us on Instagram at Membran Group, or you can find me at Linsa Arnold. Feel free to message me and tell me that I say like way too often during this episode. If you're interested in recording your own podcast, you can find out more information about using the Membran Labs podcast studio at membranlabs.com. We also have a sibling show about blockchain that's hosted by my coworker Jordan called Fault Tolerant. Otherwise, I think that's all I have to say today. Thanks again for listening, and I'll play you out with There You Are by Kirsten Ludwig off of her newest album, We Get It Now. We'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>